everyone. Welcome back for another episode of the Join Infertility Podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee Porter, and my hope is that you will join me on this road of finding joy, even in infertility. Oh, how I wish more than ever I could sit across the table from each one of you as we sip on overpriced lattes and ask you, how is your heart? How are you doing? I checked in on Instagram last week and so many of you responded, and this is hitting people in so many different ways. If you're on the front lines right now taking care of those of us who are sick, I just want to say thank you for your service. We see you and are so grateful for you. If you're experiencing delays in your treatments through all of this, I am so sorry. I can't imagine how devastating that must be. And for those of you who have gotten the news of a failed treatment or experienced a miscarriage the past few weeks, several of you responded that that's the case. I am so broken for your loss. That pain on top of what's going on must be so deep. So I just wanted to take a minute and acknowledge the extra hard that so many of you are facing. But I also know this, God is doing something in this world, in our world through all of this. He is not wasting this pain and this turmoil. He is drawing people in just as he has done with us through our journeys. And I have no doubt that what the devil has meant for evil God is going to use it for our good. Romans 8, 28 says that he is working in all things to bring about good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And that's what he's doing through all of this. Today, I get to share a conversation I had with an infertility warrior back in January when the world looked a little different, Angela Lee. Her story is so sweet and how she continues to allow God to use it for his glory. I can't wait for God to speak to you today through Angela. So let's get to it. Angela, welcome to the podcast again. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We've tried this before and technology got in the way once again. So here we are. Second time it worked. Yay. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about who you are, um, your family. You have a blog. Just tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. So I am Angela. I live in South Carolina in a little town called Camden. It's about two hours outside of Myrtle Beach. We moved here about two and a half years ago from Oklahoma. So I'm an Oklahoma born and raised girl. Yeah. So um, we moved here for my husband's job. We just felt the Lord calling us this direction. It's funny because I said, I'm going to live in Oklahoma my whole life. I'm never going to live anywhere else. And then the Lord's like, what part were you in? Um, I was in Oklahoma city. Okay. Yeah. So going, yeah, there's a lot of pride with Oklahoma people. I've, yeah. I've seen that in Texas. Big pride. Always, always it's like it's our hometown. We love it. But, and I came from a huge city to a little small town. So it's been a good adjustment for me, but um, my husband, Bryant and I have been married about almost eight and a half years now. And we have one little boy named Lincoln. He's going to be three in May. Very busy, super fun. So, and then I do have a blog. Um, I started it kind of after the fact of my story, which is a little different. A lot of people blog like through their journey. I didn't. I didn't tell people about it. I was very private about it. So all of my... Um, testimony and everything came out on the back end of everything. The Lord kept prompting me, start a blog, share your story. And I'm like, oh no, I don't think so. But, and then I had confirmation through like multiple people. Like, I feel like the Lord said, you're going to write a blog. I feel like the Lord said, you're supposed to write a book. And I'm like, um, okay. So <laughs> let's start with a blog. <laughs> yeah. So that's been, Baby steps, Lord. Baby. yeah, exactly. So that's been, kind of a labor of love for me. Just, um, I'm more of a private person. So opening myself up to be vulnerable 
has been different, but it's been very therapeutic for me um, to be able Mm -hmm. to just tell my story and how it is now on the other side of it. So, well, I want to go back to that in a minute, but go ahead and tell us what your story has been. What is, what is the past few years held for you? Absolutely. So we, I think it was about a year into our marriage decided, you know, we felt like we're ready to start a family and grow our family. There's never been any sign of fertility issues anywhere in our family before. So we thought we would get pregnant pretty quick. You know, I told my husband, I was like, I'll just go off birth control and then we'll see what happens. So about probably four years into the process, I'd never had had a positive pregnancy test. And so we felt led to just kind of seek help and kind of get to the bottom of what was going on just because it didn't run in our family. So we didn't really know what the problem was. So we went to... And you said four yes, years? four years. Mm-hmm. Why did you wait so long? Did you just feel like y'all weren't really, really trying? You were just seeing what was happening? Yeah, we were just kind of seeing like what would happen and just praying and believing. And I wasn't super familiar with fertility treatments or anything mm-hmm. like that. And I had actually come across, I was praying that the Lord would help me know kind of what to do. And I'd come across a friend of mine who we did missions trips in the summer together. And she had like shared her story of like going to this fertility doctor and getting pregnant and her story just really resounded with me. So I messaged her privately and she shared with me and we called an appointment with the same doctor she had. And so I just felt like that was an answer, um, as to what we were supposed Mm to follow and kind of like see what the next steps were. So we, um, went in, we kind of did a work in appointment because my husband has a flexible schedule. So we were like the people on the list, they said, it'll be at least six months, but if we have a cancellation, we'll call you. And they had a cancellation Mm -hmm. like two weeks later. So they called us that morning and I called my husband and we went and they just kind of went over like our health history and asked if we had had any problems prior and if I had ever been pregnant And then they had said they wanted to run like the initial testing. So we went through, both my husband and I went through all the tests and the scans and ultrasounds and all of that fun stuff. And then um, we went back and met with them later and they had told us it was, they said there are things we see that could potentially be causing problems, but it's not enough to get pregnant. It's like simple fixes we see in people every day. So, um, they Hmm. said the stuff with me was like just stuff that could happen like to women all the time. And it just like sheds naturally on its own over time. So, um, they asked kind of, you know, where are you guys at? Do you want to look into more? Um, so they said, since I had never had a successful pregnancy, I had about, they gave us a 1% chance of conceiving naturally just because of the time and my age and all that kind of stuff, which I wasn't even like old then I'm still not old now. So it's just funny to me. Like they say, you know, you're, you're older than people. And I'm like, but I'm so young. So <laughs> well, yeah, I think geriatric pregnancies, yes, which I is know. a terrible name. I think don't they start at like 30. Right. And I was in my younger thirties. So I'm like, yeah. I don't understand this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, um, so we decided 
just after they did more testing and they were like, you can be as aggressive or non-aggressive as you want. I'm very aggressive type. My husband is more reserved. He's like, um, you know, we don't need to go the most aggressive form. Let's just take time and pray about it. So we prayed for, we took about six months, I would say to pray and just had them like give us all of our options, what they felt would be best for us. And then my nurse had called and she said, you know, we're having this like informational class about IVF. We think you guys would be great candidates for IVF because of not having successful pregnancies. So if you want to come, we can sign you up. And so we had decided we would just step out in faith and just go to the class and see if we thought it was something for us because we didn't know a lot about it. Um, And in the meantime, we really were just fervently praying that the Lord would give us peace, direction, wisdom, a miracle, just whatever he saw fit for that. And so the day we went to the class, my husband actually called me and said, hey, wait on me. Don't go in. I need to talk to you in the parking lot. I was like, okay, I don't like surprises. So can you tell me what this is about? And he's like, no, just trust me. I was like, okay. So I built this story up in my mind of, oh, he's coming to tell me he doesn't want to do this anymore and all this kind of stuff. So when he came, he had actually received a check from someone that day. um, And they had said they'd been praying for us for quite a while. And the Lord told them they're supposed to sow a significant seed into our family growing process. And it was the exact amount that we needed for an IVF transfer to the dollar. So that was such a blessing. Oh my <laughs> God. How did he not just laugh that I on the was, phone? I was so, in shock. I'm like, so what is this proposed. paper? Like, what are you handing me? He's like, open it up. And I asked him, I was like, is this fake? And he's like, no, this is real. I was like, what in the world? So, oh my God. So, but you said you hadn't been telling people. No. Right. So, how this all transpired was my husband had to ask to leave work early. And so, just through a conversation with some people at work, it kind of came up what was happening. And they're like, okay. the Lord has been laying it on our heart. You know, we feel like we're supposed to sow significant seed, and then all of that transpired. And he kept it a secret until he saw me in person, which props to him because I would have never been able to do that. I would have just blurted yeah. it right out. So it's just really yeah. cool how um, God orchestrated all of that. And we both, like, that was the first time we both felt at peace with it. And we were like, okay, we're going to go into this. We're going to see if this is what is for us, and then we're going to go from there. And we went to the class, and we felt confident that it was something we could do and something we were supposed to pursue. And the Lord blessed us multiple and something times. You had the money. Yes, for. exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh, I I can like I I don't know if ever anyone else is like this, but I think I cried equally as much about the financial part of infertility as I did the hardship of infertility. Cause it is the, the, it is so hard. It's so expensive Absolutely. and everything is such a mountain mm-hmm. to climb, you know, in every single way, especially financially. So that's, that's, that happened to us with an mm-hmm. IUI around someone, someone came forward and paid for that. And it was, it was such a relief. Oh, that's so awesome. Um, so yeah, I was the same I totally way that. with that. I'm like, I asked them, 
well, how much is a cycle of IVF? And they told me the number and I was like, can you repeat the number? I'm like, please tell me I heard that wrong. You added two. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, um, we decided to go through IVF after that and we went through the whole process. I was very naive. I literally had never heard of IVF until the class. Like I'd heard, I mean, I'd heard of it in like passing, but I knew nothing of what it was at all. Like Mm -hmm. anything you put your body through, what all you do. So we learned a lot and we left, we left at peace, but I left overwhelmed just questioning like, am I capable of like doing this? Can I do this? Right. But I knew I could because I wanted a baby so bad that I would, if that was the Lord's path for us, which we knew it was, I would do it and I would do it again and again. Mm -hmm. So, um, we went through that and we were super blessed that our first cycle actually was successful. So, it worked the first time. We're very thankful for that. And now we have a little, almost three-year-old at home. So, and you only got one embryo, right? Yes. So we, through the whole process, I had like really great egg quality. Every, like my nurse said my body was like made to do this. Like she's like, this is such a good cycle. It's the best cycle I've seen in forever. And we had, after my egg retrieval, I'd retrieved like 19 eggs and then they made the embryos. And then I had the week going into the embryo transfer, I had nine embryos. We got it approved to transfer two. So we did transfer two, only one took. And then by the end of the week, when it was time to freeze the rest of them, none of them had made it to the freezable grade. So I knew like what was in my body from this cycle was, that was it. that's the only chance we had for this cycle. So, wow. yes. So did that, did you deal with a lot of fear through those nine months or were you just at peace knowing that if we have to, we'll do another one? Right. Um, I did. I dealt with fear pretty heavily. Um, I'm very blessed by my husband because he's like very grounded in the word and he always knew what to pray over me and say to me. And I felt like in those nine months, I really had to push into my faith and decide if I was going to let faith win or fear win. And I knew at the end of the day, like I trusted God, I trusted his process. If this didn't work for some reason, then we could do it again. He had provided before And I knew he could provide again. So I did definitely deal with fear pretty heavily, especially during the first trimester. Um, So I would just read scripture and quote scripture over my body and pray over my womb every day and just speak life continually into it and just really try to ground myself into the word and surrounding myself by people who could help me. Well, the ones that I told, not many of them, the people that... I did tell we're very positive and like super helpful. And so that was, it was good. It ended up really pressing me into my relationship with God even farther than before. And just my husband would tell me all the time, what are you choosing today? Are you choosing faith or fear? And he's like, cause it sounds like you're choosing fear. How can we flip that around? So he was really good at just helping encourage me to look at how I'm feeling and look at what I'm pouring my feelings into versus where they should be. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's good. And you don't you don't rely on your feelings to make that choice. You have to 
mentally make that choice and choose exactly. to go that direction. Yes. So you said that you were private about sharing. And I think that's interesting because I mean, as you know, we're really big proponents on this podcast right. about sharing because we feel like mm-hmm. it's, it's healing and it just, mm-hmm. it helps you not to feel so isolated. Um, but most people that I interview mm-hmm. have shared through the journey. So what, how do you feel now on this side of it, looking back about not sharing versus sharing? Cause yes. I know you're private. So do you feel like you missed mm-hmm. out or do you feel like that was just what you needed? Um, I feel like I definitely missed out. I didn't realize the type of community that existed in the fertility world. I think the reason I didn't share is because I dealt with a lot of feelings of shame, disappointment, even pride in some aspects, discouragement. I just felt that if people knew what I was going through, they would look at me differently. And that was not the truth, obviously. Um, but I just, we just felt like keeping it private was good. I didn't know to like go on Instagram and search for fertility groups or hashtags and things like that. Mm-hmm. I've just learned so much on the other end now and get to help people walk through their journeys now that I'm a huge proponent of sharing. And even if you're not comfortable sharing in a big proximity, like at least find a couple people that can be that community to help rally around you and encourage you through the process. So I definitely yeah. probably would change that. And eventually my friends that were around me a lot noticed, like they would notice that every Wednesday night at church, I would get up at the same time every week and disappear for like 10 minutes. And they're like, where'd you go? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, I just had to go to the bathroom. And eventually my friend was like, <laughs> you leave at the same time every week and you're gone for 10 minutes and there's something going on with you. So I was able to open up to her. And then when I did open up, she actually knew someone who was going through it and connected me with them. And it was just, the more I opened up, the more that I realized there are people around me that are walking through the same thing. Well, since you've had your son, you have joined Moms in the Making and now you're a leader. And I've interviewed several leaders and also Caroline herself. But what is that support group? How has it changed things for you on this side of things? Because I think it's interesting. You didn't have that group before. You had it after. Right. right. Yeah. So it's it's changed a lot for me. I think for me, there were feelings of things like I talked about a few minutes ago of discouragement and shame and just a lot of different things that I didn't necessarily even recognize how deeply I dealt with these things. And so being able to learn and how to deal with them and being given the tools of how to walk through it has been so healing for me. I've just found so much freedom from being able to even just share my story now on the other side with you know, the women that come to my home for groups or even in the virtual group I'm doing right now, and I'm able to just share and I've been where they've been and I'm able to kind of encourage them and say, look, I've been here and I know what it's like, but I don't want you to have to deal with what I've dealt with. Like, because Mm -hmm. what I did was I just shoved it all down so deep. I didn't know. And it, I felt fine because it was so deep down And then when I really prayed and I was looking at like the root of the things that I was going through and realizing like all I've done is just put all these other pretty little things all these years on top of some really deep hurt that I never dealt with. And so once I was able to deal with that and just really release all of that 100% to the Father, it was just so freeing for me. And how cool for those girls in your group to be able to see you 
on the other side of it saying, don't like, I'm so glad you're here because this is what I, this is what right. I didn't do and how much better it will yes. be for you. So you said, you mentioned an online group. Tell us a little bit more about that. Cause I think those are, I've been really encouraging some people that reach out to me cause they can't Ooh. find a group in their area. And I'm like, there are always online groups all over the place. Sarah's laughter, mom's yeah. in the making. What does that look mm-hmm. like for them? So, um, I actually lead a virtual group on the first and third Thursdays of the month. And we meet at, 6.30 p.m. Central Time, so 7.30 for the East Coast, and it's just twice a month for about an hour, and there's people from all over, so it's really cool. There's people that live like an hour away from me on there. There's people, someone from the United Kingdom, some a couple people from other countries that just get to come and join and be community, and we're really diving into the Word. We're creating just a space for people to share and we're able to pray over each other and just, it really forms a special bond because even though you're not in person, you might think this is going to be weird, but it was just like, it felt like such a community when we met and just hearing everyone's stories. And so many people are at different walks in their journey. Some people are doing IVF, IUI, some are doing natural foster care adoption. So just people with so many different stories Mm -hmm. just coming together and we're just seeking God over seeking a baby. And it's just a really beautiful thing. Is it on video? It's on zoom. So it is a video chat. And sometimes there's girls that had a a late work meeting and they have to just like get on just the call with audio and that's okay too, but it's cool Mm -hmm. because you can actually see everyone. So, yeah. Yeah. I've been on a zoom call that I feel like that would be almost a little bit more, more freeing Mm -hmm. to have a conversation with people that don't necessarily live in your, in your little city. Um, because you can be totally honest and vulnerable because you're not going to see these people at the grocery store and they're not going to ask those questions that some people are uncomfortable yes, with. Like, exactly. How are you really doing? <laughs> so I love that. So if you're, if you're looking for a group and you can't find one locally, you need to plug into a virtual yes, group. That would be so awesome. Absolutely. I know you guys, you talked a lot about your story, how you would, you guys would take a break and you'd mm-hmm. pray. So what was that decision-making process like for you and your husband? How did you decide to move forward with treatments or hold off or, you know, all all through that process. Right. So during that time, um, the thing that we felt the most was the most important is that we came to an agreement on the same page that we were, Mm -hmm. we both felt comfortable. We felt at peace with the same decision. And so we knew until we came to that place that we didn't have what we were looking for, because there were days that I was like, I know we're supposed to do IVF. And he's like, no, you know, I don't feel at peace with that. And for me, I had to be okay with that. I couldn't get upset at him. I couldn't, you know, say, why do you not feel that way? You should feel this way because I feel this way. And, but I wanted him to process through the whole process too, because this, this journey is hard on women, but it's just as hard on the husbands. And I feel like they're overlooked a lot. And so one of the things that the Lord really pressed upon me during that time was to listen to him, ask him how he's feeling because he was hurting too. And most of the time Mm -hmm. when I was falling apart and he was supporting me and then we would be done talking and I wouldn't say, well, how are you feeling too? And then the Lord really started pressing on me, ask him to talk through his emotions, ask him to talk through his feelings. Mm -hmm. What is he feeling? Cause he wants a baby too. So Mm really just pressing into prayer. Our families, our parents knew what we were going through. And so they really prayed and interceded with us 
praying, scripture, reading things, and just like really pressing into the word is what we felt was most important because we knew we couldn't make the decision without God being the center. And we trusted him no matter what the answer was. If it was to wait, to keep doing things naturally, if it was to pursue IVF or whatever he wanted us to do, we just knew that the Lord would give us peace at the same time. And our marriage actually got really a lot stronger through this We because we made a decision to bind together versus letting this push us apart because it can really cause tension and hurt. And we really just made the decision. We're going to be a unit. We're going to do this together. We're going to seek it together, pray together. So that was what really helped us be able to come to a place where we felt complete peace with the same decision. Yeah. I think that's a really good point that we haven't really talked a lot about on the show. And that's that you could, you could push through and push past your husband and say, no, it's, it's my issue my body's the one that's messed up. So this mm-hmm. is my choice. We're going to do this because we both want a baby. So this is how we're going to do it. You could do that. And your husband most likely will step aside and say, okay, because they know the hurt that you're going through. They feel it on a very right. deep level, but there's a reason why you shouldn't do that. Um, and I think it's really important. And there's probably some people listening that are feeling that pressure of like that frustration of my husband's asking mm-hmm. me to wait and I don't want to wait. Or my husband's saying, that we should, you know, dig into this other topic. And I'm not really open to that right. topic. Um, but, you know, God put us together as a unit because we both bring strengths to our marriages that the other mm-hmm. one doesn't have. And you do not want to step over that line of going against something or forcing your husband to do something that you don't want to do and vice versa. Your husband wouldn't want to do that as well, because on the other side, there are so many right. issues that could arise that you don't, ex- that you don't know and you can't plan yes. for and if you guys aren't linked arms fighting it, t- doing this mm-hmm. together, there can be some major things that could cause bitterness, rifts. Mm-hmm. I mean, major issues. Um, so that's a that's a huge piece of advice I would I would agree with is do not walk through any doors that you guys both aren't a hundred percent on board. Right, with. for sure. Um, if it's if it's not if it's not a hundred percent yes for both, then you just keep waiting and you keep yes. praying. Yeah, um, and I told my husband I said. So When we got married, we got married because we loved each other and we felt like we were meant to do life together. We were who God had for each other. I didn't marry him for him to give me the ability to have a baby. So no matter what, at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. I always wanted to be married to him. I always loved him. I always wanted what was best for him. And he wanted the same for me. And I think I've had a lot of questions in the past week about male Mm -hmm. and, you know, male fertility. And, you know, we experienced that as well. And I think that's, that's a big point is just what you said. You didn't marry that person for them to give you a baby and vice versa. If it's, if it's all on you and you're having issues, um, this is, you guys are, were put together to do life together and that what, and you accept each other fully without any reservations about your faults or what you don't have or your sperm count or your egg count or your lining or anything. It's. You, that is your husband and that is your wife and you are under covenant with God in your marriage. And so I think it's um, something that we have, to, we can't hold against our spouses if there's, if there's an issue going on, that's, that's our issue. That's not right, his or absolutely. her issue. So where are you guys now with 
your family building process? Um, so we are, we're actually, we're at a very good place. We feel at peace with where our families are right now with just the three of us. Um, we have prayed a lot and we feel that the Lord has told us that we're not supposed to pursue fertility treatments again. And we heard that clearly. We both came to agreement on it. And so we feel happy with our family of three, but we always leave room for a miracle. So we still believe that the Lord wants us to have another baby that he could let my body get pregnant naturally. So that's where we're at with that. We Mm -hmm. just, um, we'll see. I mean, we, we feel like our family's complete, but you never know what God has in store. So I think it's a really healthy place to be and a very peaceful place to be. Yes. Yes, it is. It's, and I, I had this like moment that really helped me get there. It was in April of this past year and I was at a leaders retreat actually with moms of the making. And one of my friends asked me, do you want another baby? And I said, you know, I don't know. I said, I feel bad saying no, but I feel like my family's complete. And she told me, she said, no matter what you say, there's no wrong answer. Mm -hmm. She said, it's okay to say your family's complete. Even if that's not what you thought it would look like, if you feel at peace, then the Lord has given you that peace. And that was really, really big for me because I'd felt that pressure. Um, people ask me all the time, when are you having another baby? I'm like, well, you know, right now we're not, but you never know what the future holds. And People tell me, you need to give Lincoln a sibling, and his his life will be so different if he doesn't have a sibling. And I'm like, well, if this picture of three is what the Lord has for us, then I believe his life will be exactly how it's supposed to be. So just taking that pressure mm-hmm. off of myself like, and what others viewed I should do was like huge for me. Once I let go of that, I was at complete peace with where my family was yeah. at. Well, I know that was all the questions we had. Is there anything that you wanted to add or say or on your heart to say something that I've had on my heart just praying over being on this is that um just to and I talked about this already is just really to try and find community even if that's just one person or it's a support group or whatever that looks like just not to feel ashamed not to feel discouraged or like you don't matter and the biggest thing is don't feel like something you've done is why you can't get pregnant because that's not how God operates. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, he can bless us with a miracle anytime. And sometimes miracles don't come in the form that we might think they will, but just keep praying and really pressing in and believing that he can give you that miracle and really finding an intimate relationship with him. Because at the end of the day, if all you're putting your hope and your faith and your trust in is having a baby. Once you have that baby, like, what are you still pushing for? What are you still believing for? Because God can perform more than one miracle in your life. So I always just tell people, I'm like, don't put like a baby as your idol, because once that baby gets here and you have it, you're like, okay, what what am I supposed to do now? What am I supposed to pray for now? Mm -hmm. And that's something I dealt with personally was, I put so much into just praying and crying out for a baby. Once my baby was here, I struggled getting back on track because I had made that every prayer about that instead of 
pushing in even farther. I was in the word and I was doing all of that, but it's like, we don't have to beg God for something. God hears us and he hears our cries and he hears our prayers and he can bless us at any moment. Yeah. And also just the reality of that baby is not meant to fill that void that you have. And so when that baby comes and you're sitting there with this, everything you ever wanted in your arms and you're like, but, but wait, why do I still feel that Mm -hmm. something's missing? Then it can Mm -hmm. throw you into deep, dark depression because you feel like now now you're a terrible mom because everything you wanted is here and you're not satisfied. And it's right. It's because it wasn't supposed to satisfy that, that part of us. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. For sure. The treasure is in him, not in the request or the miracle. Yes, yes, yes. Well, that's good. That's a good way to end it. Angela, thank you so much for coming on. And I'm so glad we could make it work. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for having me. I think it's so neat that Angela just happened to mention, and we were able to talk at length about her virtual group on Zoom. Back when we had this conversation, we could have never dreamed that we wouldn't have been able to gather together with our friends in public places or even our homes. And here we are seeing Zoom meetings all over the place. Work meetings are happening on Zoom. Girls' nights in. Classes are meeting on Zoom. My daughter has had two calls with her class this week. And even as I record this, tonight I have a Zoom meeting with my pediatrician to have a well check visit for my kids. If you're searching for community and support, social distancing does not prevent that right now. Pull some ladies together. And if you haven't already signed up on the website to host a podcast club, do that and get together on Zoom and chat about these episodes. Let's use this time to draw closer to each other and closer to Jesus. And here's what I know. When all this is over, whenever that is and whatever that's going to look like, I will never take for granted the ability to be able to gather together with others in coffee shops, in our homes, and in our churches. The enemy has no idea what revival he has accidentally stirred up. Until next time, friends, you guys stay safe and stay healthy. Have a great day. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Joint Infertility Podcast. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Remember, God is with you. He sees your heart. He loves you and he is good. There will be beauty born from your journey. Have a great day.